Hey, welcome to Digital Self-Defense, a podcast for everyday people to understand how to protect themselves online with their data and identity. I'm Tim Honker. I'm a cybersecurity professional. I've been working in cybersecurity since about 2010. And starting in 2013 or so, I started teaching workshops to friends and coworkers about how to secure their data and identity online. There's going to be two types of episodes in this podcast. There's going to be shorter episodes like this one, where we're going to walk through certain steps that you need to learn how to do, explain concepts. Like today, we're going to be talking about what is a breach and how can you secure your passwords. And then there's going to be longer episodes too that are discussing certain cybersecurity topics and policies with other experts, but also regular people like yourself. A breach is when the bad guys get access to something that they're not supposed to, like your healthcare data or your financial data. You hear about these things in the news all the time. So when you hear about Equifax or Sony in the news, that means that the bad guys were able to steal something of your data and then sell it somewhere else. So at my job, I talk to cybersecurity professionals all day, but this podcast is not for them. This podcast is for my mom and my friends who don't work in cybersecurity. This is about how to protect yourselves. And so I'm planning on using non-technical jargon and to keep me in check there, I brought along a friend with me. His name's Justin Tapp. Uh, Justin, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Justin. And how much do you know about cybersecurity? Which transformer was that? Okay, great. When I first started uh, teaching the workshop, the very first time I taught it, the people who were in it stopped me halfway through and they said, whoa, okay. (laughs) Slow down, bro. Emotionally, we can't handle this anymore, and we we need to stop because it was so. It was all about the bad things, right? And so that's one of the things I wanted to do with this podcast was okay. Here's here's what's going on, and then here's what you can do to um, prevent or mitigate these things, to detect them when they happen, and here's how to respond to them as well, and okay. how to educate yourself and understand what's in the news. So we're going to be talking about some scary things here, um, but. These things can be mitigated. So who, who are these hackers? Sure. There's, there's a couple different types of them. Um, primarily, it's cyber criminals, people who are in it for the money. Okay. My second question is, is can we find them and kill them? <laughs> well, actually, most breaches aren't detected by the companies themselves. It's the FBI that notices. Yeah, the traffic and they the find them and kill them. I, you know, <laughs> where, where, where are they? Are they located? I mean, I imagine like, I just imagine like slums in like Moscow. You know what I mean? Where there's just some kind of shitty sweatshop, and there's some dudes in there, and there's just like a whole bunch of like, like kind of pimply faced assholes, like you know, nervously between doses of crocodile or whatever it is they're doing over there. You know, just trying to get your shit. You know. Um, or, or the same thing in China. You know what I mean? I, I just either yeah. one. You know, oh, no, it's big either one of those yeah. two locales. You know, Eastern Europe too. Yeah, um, maybe some like shitty '90s techno coming through like a you know distorted Jambox speaker in the background. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so, I mean, what what do these people want? I, I mean, are they are they, uh, are they taking the information because they want or they're trying to sell it on the dark web i mean you know is that is that what the deal is i mean how how does how does the hacker what motivates the hacker beyond you know what i mean just just the the challenge of it at this point sure there's you can break up the bad guys into a couple different categories number one and the most common out there i think about 80 percent of the activity is cyber criminals these are people that are after data they want to steal data and break into places like uh, your healthcare provider or the general services administration and steal identity or something that they can use and sell directly on the dark web or sell it privately. And so they're talking, we're talking about passwords, 
addresses, shit that can be used in like a spear phishing attack against you. Yes. Or for as simple as like health insurance fraud, like fraud, you can go in and you can buy um, Medicaid identity information so that you can go and get health care for yourself or for somebody else. And that's about $4,000 for about 10 people's IDs at the same time. Okay, well, slow down. Yeah. So what you're telling me is for $4,000 in the dark web or four bitcoins or whatever it is now, <laughs> I can get I can get someone's Medicaid information and have some free health care? Yes. Well, not free. It costs $4,000. Yeah. But. You can you can commit health care fraud. You can commit financial fraud. So when the bad guys sell stuff, it's really cheap to buy a username and a password. The more stuff that they have about a person, the more expensive it is. It is. So a U.S. credit card is only worth about $4, right? But a European credit card that also has their date of birth, their address, their full name, and things like that can go up for up to $45 per person. Holy shit. And that's actually... A it's really so small cheap. amount of it's money. So cheap, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can probably get a couple of things before you get caught. I mean, assuming, I mean, you buy someone's credit card for four dollars. Maybe you, you know, maybe you go to eat on it one time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you just, you know, you got to go to Ruth Chris's Steakhouse for four dollars, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> courtesy of, you know, some Russian hacker sweatshop. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, the the primary motivating factor is money for a lot of these individuals. So there's cyber criminal rings in like Russia and stuff. They're independent and, and operate as groups. Um, some people do it independently. The second largest contributor to hacking is state-sponsored. So the Russian government, for example, with the DNC. Damn Russians, and, dude. Oh, yeah. I, I've got, I, yeah. Well, it's not just the Russians. So the Russians have been doing that activity, right? And uh, they are there to steal state secrets. But then the Chinese actually are after intellectual property as well. So... So they will hack into companies like Apple or, uh, you know, technology companies, steal, you know, patented information, source code, and then make knockoffs of iPhones and a variety of other things because they've stolen all the designs. Now, I have a question about this. I happen to know that there is no such thing as intellectual property law in China. And that's why, you know, you can go to Chinatown in New York City and buy a fucking Rolex that, you know, buy a Rolex that costs, uh, you know, 20 bucks or something like that. So my question then becomes, is that a precipitating factor in this with regards to industrial espionage in China, or is it a deal where they would steal it anyway? I mean, for instance, if they had to honor intellectual property laws in China, would they be as interested in... Uh, I, I think that they would still do it. Yeah. Uh, what I've been told at conferences and things is the Chinese government is behind this, right? They want to build their industry. And we have a strong... Um, maybe not strong, but a, a, a definite line between industry and government, and they don't have that over there. And so the government is helping or, um, private companies hack American institutions to steal intellectual property and then handing it right back to the companies in China. That sucks. Yeah. And state-sponsored attacks are incredibly hard to stop because you've got billions of dollars behind any individual hack. Damn it. There's one third or fourth category of the bad guys. The, okay. the third most popular category is the hacktivists. And those are groups like Anonymous and stuff like that um, that are out to um, for political motivation. They are politically motivated to embarrass a candidate 
or take down a website of an organization that they don't like. And then there's a couple of other types. There's like the grudge hackers, people who, you know, ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends that are going after somebody or a former employer. And then there's... Let's be honest, it's ex-boyfriends. Yeah, let's, I, I'm trying to be <laughs> I'm sorry. here, but it's ex-boyfriends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's people who are just out to do it for fun. You know, people who break into neighbors' Wi-Fi networks and stuff like that that just want to see what they can do. They aren't necessarily there to hurt anything. One of the myths about hackers is that it's always a human behind a keyboard. Um, in fact, that yes, there is some of that for the more advanced stages of it, but it's usually automated tools. Just Robots. like we have, yeah, they have they deploy bots, they install software on machines that they infect that they do their attacking for them. So the day of reckoning has already arrived. <laughs> well, these bots aren't very smart, oh, okay, right? That's They're not good. good at evading security. They're not smart. Um, they get caught fairly easily. It's a numbers game. Yeah. And so they go after really low-hanging fruit, really obvious stuff that's dumb. And they can still you know, lock up a hospital this way and demand <laughs> money. Um, and encrypt Christ. all of the computers. I mean, this happens. It happened in Hollywood, California a couple of years ago. Um, and so the, the, most of the attacks start with this sort of automated version of these bots are scanning the internet and they're automatically infecting, um, you know, security cameras in Vietnam are actually one of the prime ones. Or it, a couple of years ago, it was a variety of servers in Belgium. So they compromise a security camera that's out of date in Vietnam and then relay their attack through there. So earlier you asked, why is it so hard to find these people? Well, when you see the movie, it's like tracking the hacker, tracking the hacker. Yeah, it's yeah. a little line going across the globe. It's actually really complicated. Okay. So you blow my mind a little bit. So they penetrate a security camera in Vietnam? Yes. Tons of them over there that are out of date. They don't have security patches installed. They're really cheap you know, video security cameras on people's houses. But it's actually a computer. And so you can dial into it. It's directly on the internet. Take control of it and then just use that as your pivot point, your point of attack so that you can hide where you're really coming from. Holy shit. Yeah, it happens every day. So a shitty Vietnamese security camera is enough of a computer mm -hmm. <laughs> that you can actually compromise it and use it as a point of an attack? Yes. Uh -huh, oh, definitely. that is highly disturbing. Yeah, and that's what the problem of the Internet of Things is. And we'll be talking about that in a later episode, but the Internet of Things uh, security camera is one of many it's the internet of shitty things. It, yeah, I mean, some of our researchers have called it the internet of shit because yeah. it's such a problem. Like, there's no security in the IoT space. So what's the harm that could be posed to users if hackers or the bad guys steal your username and password? They're going to use those automated tools, right? If they get a hold of your username and password, that's not necessarily the end game. They may steal it and sell it. But the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to tell that army of bots of other computers that they can control to go out and try that username and password everywhere. So let's say, Justin, you've got a Pinterest account, right, for home remodeling or whatever. And uh, you've got a username and password. And let's say tomorrow Pinterest gets hacked. Um, they're going to take that username and password, your email address and your password, and they're going to automatically try that all over the place. They're going to, if you use that same password, they're going to try it on Gmail. They're going to try it on Yahoo. They're going to try it on... And they will be very bank. successful in that endeavor. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that we're here to talk about today is how do we stop that, right? Because it's not a person always. It's usually a robot that's doing it. And when they get a hold of a username and password... They have to kill all robots. We have to kill all robots. That's, that's the only solution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this podcast is about putting on your tinfoil hat and going back in time. Yeah. We're going to go back to the Stone Age. That's what happened to me. Adobe got hacked. 
and they got my shit, I'm sure. And um, you know, I changed some of it. I've got I've got a couple of passwords I use, but Jesus, you know. I mean, honestly, that's the main reason I want to kill these hackers is because having to make me remember these fucking passwords, you know, because then I get locked out of my own shit. I'm like, what did I what did I do here? And I put the, the, the three in that I used. And it's like, that's not it. I'll be like, OK, when when did this happen? You know, what was I what was I watching on TV? What, what could have possibly, you know, and it's like, I don't have it. Then it's like you got to go through the rigmarole Then you've got to convince your bank that you're you. Ironically, it's much harder for you than it was for the hacker the first time to get your information. It's like, I, this is unbelievable. You know, this is not working. You know, so so what are some good solutions for for uh, the the person who the, the 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 silent victim of the hacker? Sure. So if you get an email that says your your account has been hacked or you need to rotate your password or something like that, first of all, make sure that it's real. Don't click a link. And never click a link. <laughs> Just never. Okay, click we any cannot links. stress that enough. Never click a link in an email that you get from even a reputable source. Yeah. The great way to do this is to have a bookmark to your bank or wherever, or type it in manually. Exactly. Or call your bank. Yeah. Get it off your credit card. If you get a thing from your bank or PayPal or Apple saying, hey, those purchase was made or whatever, do not click on that link they want you to click on. Call and ask or go to your PayPal app and get on there and see if the purchase, it would be on there. If it's not on there, because I get this probably once a day. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, I'm sure at some point someone got my email and they're sending me this stuff. But it's like, I look at it, you know, and you go through and you like, you know, it's like, ah, oh, this is, you know, this one looks pretty good. But then you look at the address it's sent from. Yeah. You're like, no, mm-hmm. no siree, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you get that, go and type in the website yourself or use your mobile app or use a bookmark instead and go verify it on there. And it doesn't hurt to go ahead and change your password for that website anyway. Okay, so we got lots of passwords here. How do we remember them? There's too, so, many pa- too many passwords. Exactly. It's ridiculous. That's what this episode is all about. This, all, this episode is all about remembering only one or two passwords from now on. Sounds good. Yeah. So um, how do we solve this, right? We need a computer. Um, obviously, I've got around three or 400 accounts online huh. between um, everything that that I am. There's a digital mesh that surrounds all of us online now, and it's basically impossible to remember all these passwords. It binds us? Yes. Surrounds us? (laughs) (laughs) Holds the universe together. So... Um, the way that you mitigate this is using a password manager. Okay. And there are tools like I use LastPass. If you go to LastPass.com, there's another one called um, OnePass, um, and then there's other tools like uh, KeyPass that are local to your system. So the way that LastPass works is you should always assume that all of your passwords will get stolen on every website that you go to. Right? Okay. And we'll talk about that more in a second about what what do the bad guys do when they steal a password and how do they break the encryption around it and stuff like that. And okay. why is it important? It's important to use a long password that has at least 14 characters in it and to have uppercase, lowercase symbol and number. Just the most difficult thing to remember ever. Exactly. And that's what LastPass is all about. LastPass is about not knowing what that is. So the app, let's say you log into Pinterest, right? And after I have LastPass installed, I type in my Pinterest password and it says, oh, hey, do you want to save this password? And you say, yeah, sure. It's about not remembering your passwords anymore and letting a computer manage that for you. 
when you visit a website and you have to create a new account there, you can just say, hey, LastPass, generate a long gibberish password and save it for me. I don't know what any of my passwords are. I log into my bank. I log into everything. I have no clue what any of my passwords are. They're all huge, long gibberish passwords, and they're all stored up in LastPass for me. So the idea is that you would take forever to brute force. Yes. So, yeah. so um, the way that um, the bad guys, when they steal a password, it's actually what's called hashed. So unless you're like Sony, Sony stored all of their passwords in clean t- and clear text. So when the hackers stole the passwords, they got the original passwords. Uh, so that's really, really bad, right? Way to go, Sony. Yeah. But other companies, they do what's called hashing of the password. So they don't keep the original password. They scramble it using complicated mathematical formulas. And it's only a one-way operation of your password that's peddler um, then gets scrambled and becomes this long gibberish thing. And that's uh, just unreadable. And then when in the future, they can just convert like, oh, is peddler this same hash? Yes, it is. Okay, then that's that person. So they're not actually transmitting your password anymore. They just keep the hash of it. Now, the bad guys can do what's called password cracking. And if your password, they're going to brute force it, right? They're going to try A. And brute force means... Oh, sorry. Thank you. Uh, Brute force means they're going to try millions of attempts per second. So they they get a computer or a series of computers, kind of like mining Bitcoin. Yes, They have a bunch of computers, and they basically say, guys, just try everything in the world over and over and over again, you know, and a computer can do it zillions of times a second and yeah. it just does it and does it and does it until it gets it. Yeah. I mean, even a common home graphics card that you use for PC gaming can try over 1 billion passwords per second. My God. And when you throw a whole bunch of these, a farm of these at a whole bunch of hashes, you can start cracking them within minutes. Wow. If the password is really short and simple. So that's why you want the password to be 14 characters long, uppercase, lowercase number, which is not something we can remember, so we use LastPass to manage it for us. And then when the bad guys do get your hash, they can't do anything with it. Usually it'll take them, you know, 100 to 2,000 years or 100 million years to crack that hash, and in that amount of time, you've probably changed it. Or been dead. For like, or been dead and it doesn't matter. Like 900, 993 <laughs> million years. <laughs> this episode is about nihilism. Yeah, exactly. In a hundred million years, we'll have this. What I'm then we're going to crack into his account, and if the sun hasn't gone supernova, we will get... His dog pictures. Yeah, his. <laughs> the point behind LastPass is that none of your passwords are the same, so they can't retry your password in different places, right? If I steal your Pinterest password, it's no longer the same as anything else. I only get into your Pinterest account, and that's it. So it prevents them from spreading and minimizes risk for you. And you don't have to remember what that Pinterest password is because LastPass remembers it for you. I got to check this LastPass thing out. Oh, oh, I need to say, we are in no way affiliated with LastPass. Oh, no, no. I don't don't work for them. They're not paying us. (laughs) Anytime I would say, I need to check this LastPass thing out. (laughs) Sounds like a great idea. LastPass. Passwords for the future. LastPass.com slash money, money, money. What, 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 what are some other ones that you, that you name that are good? We're going to say LastPass because, honestly, we're not going to go through the whole rigmarole every time we name this product. But there's... There's one pass, which is the same thing, right? Okay. The browser plugins that you install. It's an app on your phone. So, for example, me equal time here. Yeah. If I'm logged in, uh, I'm in my cell phone, right? And I'm going to install Instagram. And I have an Instagram account already. It remembers my password from my web browser. And then I just launch Instagram. It's like, hey, do you want to log in? And I'm like, yes. And then LastPass or OnePass or whatever pops up and says, hey, do you want me to 
load your password for you. Yes, let me, here's my fingerprint. It's me. And then it logs into Instagram for me. It's funny. Like when I'm online and uh, Google Chrome asks me, I used to use Safari, but now no. I use Google Chrome. Side, side note, nobody used Safari. It's really insecure. It's terrible. I mean, I, I used it for fine, but now it won't even load YouTube videos. I probably need to upgrade it. Or I, don't, I don't know. I, I moved to Chrome. Anyway, so Chrome asked me, hey, want me to remember this password? I usually say no, because I don't want it all my passwords easily cached somewhere yeah. that Google Chrome can get in. And so that's, yeah. that's a good play. Oh, absolutely. Do not let your browser save passwords for you. They have almost no security around this. There you go, everybody. If we can't stress two things, <laughs> actually three, <laughs> LastPass or applicable product, <laughs> don't click on things that come in your emails that say, did you make this purchase? If not, click here. Yeah. And three, do not have your browser save your passwords. Absolutely. If you visit a website that is infected, you want to use LastPass because it's going to save all your passwords for you in a secure way. Your browser, like Chrome, Firefox, Internet Explorer, Safari, those things have almost no protection on your passwords. So if you click a link and you go to a nefarious website, something that can infect you, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a malicious site like a porn website or something. that They all have this reputation for being the nasty, most virus-filled places. That's yeah. not necessarily true. Any website can get infected and serve malware to you. And malware is any sort of bad software that the bad guys write that can infect your system like a virus. So just by visiting a website, you can get a virus. And when that virus gets to your system, it can steal all of the passwords out of the browser that it's already running in and then transmit them back out. Damn it. Yep, it's totally possible. So LastPass has lots of extra layers of protection. So does OnePass. And it's a plug-in, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a Chrome okay. extension. It's a free plug-in. You can pay for the version that's like the advanced version. I have that on my phone. I share passwords with my wife. So we have like a shared Instagram account, right? And a lot of other accounts that we share. I don't know what the password is. She just clicks share with Tim and then it automatically fills it in for me. Okay, so I think I got the checkmate here. What happens if they hack LastPass. Yep, I get asked that question all the time. LastPass is extremely hard to hack. LastPass has a lot of extra layers of security on it that most systems don't have. And they've really thought this out and they've architected it well so that they can't really get, the bad guys can't really get directly to your passwords that are stored deep inside their network. It's not really possible. First, they have to compromise your master password that allows access to LastPass. And that password is really heavily encrypted, basically, that it would take millennia to crack it if it were stolen. Holy crap. So actually, LastPass did get hacked like a year or two ago, <laughs> and they stole the list of master passwords for everybody. But they just kind of laughed and said, <laughs> good luck with that. It's going to cost you a billion dollars in 2,000 years to actually crack these things. And so they just notified all of their users and said, hey, rotate your master password. Everything's fine. That seems like a, a fairly easy thing you could do. I mean, honestly, it sounds like a, it, it just sounds like a hassle. You know what I mean? But it's, it's like I imagine it's probably not that big of a hassle. I, I will admit it is a big it is a bit of a hassle in the first week or two. Um, when but you, you know what else is a hassle? Having all the money taken out of your account by some Russian dude who does crocodile and listens to 90s Moby CDs <laughs> in a Sony boombox. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that sucks too. So um, the transition is a little bit rough at first if you've never used a tool like this because it's really frustrating that you have to type all of your passwords in again and then LastPass says, hey, do you want to save it? And then LastPass starts warning you and says, hey, 
your password for Pinterest is the same one as your Gmail is the same one as your Bank of America. And it's like, you should really change this. And it starts uh, notifying you like you shouldn't be doing this. And <laughs> it also has auto change features. So when you log in and it says, you know, you've, you can go to, um, there's like a, an, an audit button that you can click and it'll go through all your passwords and look for similarities and weak passwords and tell you which ones you should change. But it also has a change for you button. Sounds good. The last thing I really wanted to talk about was other ways that you can find out that you've been part of a breach. So okay. we talked about if you get an email from somebody and we said, you know, uh, that's rare because they're not actually legally obligated a lot of the time to tell you. There is another way that you can find out. There's a website called haveibeenpwned.com. <laughs> and pwned that is sucks. spelled dot com. And so what they do is they're scouring the internet for the publication of usernames and passwords. Like and the dark addresses. web. Yeah, and they're scanning the dark web and stuff like that. Okay, pause. Quick side note. What, in 30 words or less, is the dark web? Because I think people hear that all the time and they don't have a, a, a true appreciation for what it is. Sure. It's a part of the internet that you can't find with Google. You, ha you have to know a guy. If, think about it this way. If you were walking down the street and there were a bunch of um, businesses that had banners outside that said, this is a flower shop, this is blank, and there's always that one door that you're like, what does that go to? And if you knock just the right way, it opens up and it's a speakeasy or whatever sure. it is, right? And that's what the dark web is. There's parts of the internet that Google doesn't know about. And you just have to know what the address is of the server you're getting to. You can't search for it and find it. Okay, so you, it, so it's not, it's not partitioned. It's just partitioned by a veil of darkness. And I, mean, I didn't mean that that on the nose. But basically, if you if you got on your browser and you knew the address, you could put it in the address and it would go there. There are so there is an additional technology called Tor, the Onion Router network. You okay. have to install that on your computer to usually get on the dark web as well, and that allows you to hide your origin as well as the server's origin. So you don't know if you're talking to a server in Lithuania or where you're actually talking to. It anonymizes everybody, and that rides on top of the regular internet. And so once you're on Tor, you have to know. And the domain names on Tor aren't like CNN.com. It's just like a random long gibberish. <laughs> Evilhacker.com. Yeah, it's just like a gibberish one. So if you, for example, if you want to submit tips to the New York Times, right, anonymously, if you're going to be a whistleblower, you would get onto Tor, the onion router, and then you can go to the New York Times website and you scroll down and it says, here's the link to our Tor website. You can use Tor on top of the regular internet to get on this, um, basically the black market version of the internet. And so there's just like, it's kind of like the shadow world in Zelda. It's, it looks almost just like the internet, but it's full of moblins and shit. Yeah, I mean, it's still regular websites and you click and it's, it's, it behaves the same way, but it's not publicly indexed. It's not in the phone book. Yeah. So the Silk Road that, that yes. was made the news story, that was basically just like a uh, eBay uh, an evil eBay. <laughs> yeah, it's an e it's a it's a black market eBay where you could buy um, drugs or or malicious software. You could buy key loggers and hacking tools to break into people's systems. You could buy drugs. You could buy stolen uh, credit card information, fraud, healthcare information, and stuff like that. Ah, okay. Keith Richards, if you're listening, you want to remember this part because <laughs> this could really come in handy. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
He doesn't need drugs. So when you sign up on haveibeenpwned.com, you can plug in your email address. And Justin, if you, you'll probably do this later. You plug it in. It'll show you what you mentioned earlier, Adobe, right? Okay. Your Gmail address or Hotmail address will show up and you type it in. It says, here's all the hacks that you've been a part of. How do these guys know that? Oh, Okay, so they search the web looking for your information. They they look at the dark web basically yeah. to see when it comes up. How do they know where where it came from? Do they I mean, can they tell you where it got? Because you're like you know, because of Adobe, would it say like Adobe the Adobe hacks? Yes, it would. So how does it know that? Does it say that explicitly on the dark web when you get the information? It's like this was from the Adobe hack. You know what I mean? Yeah, it it does. And so they say that. Um, and again, have I been pwned? Does not have every single hack that's ever been out there. They only have the ones that are usually like widely published. So if I'm a hacker and I break into Adobe. Um, I may not release that information publicly. I may not want to embarrass them. Maybe I want to sell it and I sell it to a private individual or something like that or organization. Or maybe I put it up for sale and I say, this is from Adobe. There's the dump of all the usernames and passwords or their hashes and their you know recovery email addresses and stuff like that. Um, or if I just am out to embarrass them, and I'm there to uh, promote my brand, or I'm really a proud and boasting hacker, then I would say, I did this, and here's my handle, and I did this to Adobe, and I just dump all the information for free for everybody to cause chaos. Yeah. And that's the ones that Have I Been Pwned usually catches, right? Are the ones that are basically up on the wall that everyone yeah. can see. And so they, they dig through, and you can put in your email address, you can put in domains that you own, and you can get an email notification anytime a new breach that they detect has been involved. And sometimes I get notified way sooner through, through them than the actual company that got hacked. We talked about um, how to mitigate risk with passwords, right? Use one, use LastPass or OnePass. If you don't want it to be stored online, there's another tool called KeePass, K-E-E-P-A-S-S. There's a local tool that you can install on your Windows system that stores all your passwords locally with strong encryption. Um, it's not as user-friendly as LastPass, though. Um, we talked about, so that was mitigation of risk, right? And prevention using strong, long, random passwords that only LastPass knows. Then we talked about detection. And when we talked about detection, we were talking about, okay, watch out for emails that come in, sign up for have I been pwned and things like that. Uh, and then we talked about response. So when you get notified that someone has been hacked, you go in, you type in the, the website yourself, you log in and you change the password and store the new one inside of LastPass. So does LastPass doesn't have a, a, a like an automated process that does that for you across all your? It can. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, you can for certain like high profile websites like Amazon and a lot of other really common ones. Yeah. Um, they have plugins that can go and rotate your password for you. So you just open up LastPass and you like change my Amazon password and then it goes and it does it. It seems like honestly because it's just generating passwords. Does it have a setting where you could just have it do that every like three months or something? I don't know. That would be a great feature though. Yeah. Yeah. You guys listening? <laughs> I give you that one for free. <laughs> Thanks for listening, but that's not all. So there's going to be an accompanying blog post on digitalselfdefense.show that has links and more instructions for LastPass and the other things that I talked about today. Again, you can visit digitalselfdefense.show, not .com, in your web browser for more information about the things that we talked about today. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening in. Bye, guys. Digital self-defense is intended for general advice for cybersecurity, but is in no way a substitute for a cybersecurity expert. We are not liable or responsible for any damages or losses that occur from listening to our advice in lieu of hiring a professional.